Donovan Mitchell poised to make his return. Jazz score two All-Stars. And Nick Friedel. This is Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz and MLS 3112 Equal Housing Lender. Yes, Donovan Mitchell clears concussion protocols. He's apparently going to play tonight against the Nets. And he was named an All-Star. Pretty good 24 hours for him. Fully deserving of the honor. The man's a top 12 scorer. He's shooting 33% for three. But where it's coming is he's getting to the rim. Career best there, 65%. Mid-range, he's finding his spots. Shooting 47%, also career best. He's playing and taking his game where it's no questions now. Him and Rudy, you can just pen them in at the beginning of the year. They're going to be all-stars if they play to a certain level. And he's right there at it this season. Missed the last eight, but with him coming back, we'll see how he responds. Rudy's a couple days out as well. Tim McMahon over at ESPN, he's in town. He reported, should be on the lookout for next week. But both are very worthy of their selections. See January if you want to question how much they mean to the Utah Jazz. I think it'd go a long way into setting the tone for that team. Just a guess. But as far as snubs for the dudes that didn't make it, are there any? Of course there are. The roster should be 15. If you listen to Monday's episode with Ryan McDonough, former GM of the Phoenix Suns, you would know, yes, these rosters should be bigger, should be 15. There are guys who are left out. If it's for the fans, let's involve more of the fans. And as many players as that you can get in there, you'll get more segments of fans. No LaMelo Ball. I'm going to need someone on that all-star floor to deliver and throw great lob passes. And LaMelo Ball looks like it'd be very fun to play in that respect. I'll be there, covering it live from All-Star Game. Get a couple pods from the Midwest. I think I nailed the West when it came to my dumb list conversation for Monday when I just picked my reserves. But the East was more questionable for me because I didn't have Chris Middleton in there, and I'm not sure he's more deserving than Drew Holiday, but he is there. It seemed pretty obvious who you have on your all-star team if you're the Western Conference. But now let's make up for that abomination of including Andrew Wiggins amongst the starters and put in Anthony Edwards. Make it happen, Commissioner Silver. I'll send an email since he's a friend of the show. New York Double for the Jazz over the weekend. Not a drink, just a point in the schedule. Brooklyn is reeling, though. Six straight losses. The latest one coming against the Kings. Hapless. Bad. No Durant. Harden's there. He's getting numbers. But does it look good? I'll need someone who has a higher appreciation of those type of things to explain it to me. Because he still looks listless. And it just doesn't look fun. They're down in the sixth position in the Eastern Conference. They could fall even further if they continue to tailspin. The quotes coming out of there are interesting because Steve Nash and Kyrie Irving aren't concerned. James Harden is. Where does Kevin Durant fit in the middle of it? And then you have a lot of complementary pieces that work when everybody's there, but 
might be miscast when you're asking too much of them with less all-stars on the floor. And they have a part-time player. So it's an experiment in chemistries. It's an experiment in lineup shuffling. And Steve Nash has to head the whole thing. They're not playing well. And New York, stock down. Get that? Because of Wall Street. They have no offense. This is the week if you want to put out a book about the 90s Knicks and compare them to this year's team. The offensive similarities are there. I'm shocked just for watching the Knicks this season, how less competent they look, how Randall's taking a step back. He's caused so many headaches from not doing media availabilities and taking the burden of being the franchise star. Things don't go right. Again, paid the big bucks. In New York, you have to answer the questions. And Randall's not doing that right now. But they've looked stilted. Cam Reddish hasn't really necessarily fell into a cultural reset that he needs. Once you get traded, you kind of have to reevaluate things about yourself. And I'm not sure he's exactly done that. So it's two teams coming to Salt Lake City in different modes of disrepair. I'm sure that won't cause any drama or stories to come out of that arena. Podcast, also brought to you by Fanatics. For authentic Utah Jazz player gear, including jerseys, shorts, warm-ups, and more, visit fanatics.com slash jazzgameused. That's fanatics.com slash jazzgameused. Five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get them, you can find us. Just look, Round Ball Roundup. Coming up on Monday, long conversation with the great Ariel Hawani, MMA journalist, Knicks fan. We get into a lot. You won't want to miss that one. Seriously, it is longer than usual, and we get into a lot of things. He admits his Western Conference team, Utah Jazz. Who's his favorite player? You'll find out Monday. Stick around for that one, and enjoy today's Nick Friedel. ESPN. He has the best laugh in the league, and thankfully, he's covered two of the biggest franchises in the NBA this season, the Warriors and the Nets. So set the table for Jazz Dubs coming up next Wednesday. We talk Golden State. We talk Brooklyn, Phoenix. Just two dudes chopping it up. Enjoy it. He's a good dude. It's Nick Friedel on Round Ball Roundup. Absolutely the worst they've played. <laughs> I mean, and they've had some they've had some bad games over the last month or so. Games that they had no business losing, but that was a really bad effort down the stretch. And Steve Nash said, eh, we just were gassed and our guys didn't have our legs. But JP, I've seen James Harden way too many times through the years. He shouldn't be having four points in any game ever. And Kyrie didn't do much in the second half. So this team is trying so desperately to get to March. Because the feeling is just get to March, get Kevin back, hope that there's some resolution, although it doesn't appear to be right now, on the Kyrie front that would allow him to play in the home games if the New York City mandate on the vaccine is lifted. But if you get to March, at least you have Kevin back every day. Harden may get more motivated and locked in because of that. But right now it is it is a tough watch for a group that still has championship aspirations. And it's worth pointing out, at least in the wake of that Sacramento loss, 
while James Harden's frustrated, and understandably so given the ups and downs of the season, Kyrie and Nash came in there and they're like, eh, we're, we're going to get there. It'll be all right. And so they feel like even though they may lose a couple more games and the Jazz game will be interesting to see how they bounce back, the reality is this team still feels that if you get Kevin and James and Kyrie on the floor together, nobody can beat them. But will that actually happen for home and away games? And will they be healthy? Who knows? What was the difference between even those first halves between the Kings? Because they looked fine heading into halftime, but then the flip completely changed after the first 24. I think they're still trying to figure that out as they watch the tape. Because when you watched live in Sacramento defensively, they just kind of were letting the Kings do whatever they wanted. And it's a sad state of affairs when you're letting a Sacramento team that it can't come into that game having lost seven in a row and was two and 12 in the last 14 dictate the pace. Because for as much as everyone talks about the flaws that the Nets have, Kyrie is still an unbelievable offensive player. And James Harden can still drop 30 or 35 when he wants. It just hasn't happened as much this season compared to those Houston years. I, I think the Kings deserve some credit. I mean, Davion Mitchell defensively is what everybody thought he was on that side of the floor. But if you're Brooklyn and you believe you're a title team still, you can't be having that type of effort and and that type of lethargic-looking uh, group walked through the <laughs> the last 24 minutes so it all just kind of fell apart for them they're on the back end of this trip it, it hasn't been great they had some good moments against the Warriors and the Suns but this is where I would push back against Nash or anyone else and saying hey this has been a positive trip we've gotten better I, I have not seen it from this group they look like they are missing several different pieces which in fairness to them they are because it's not just Durant Joe Harris, it's Marcus Aldridge. They've had a problem uh, injury-wise off and on throughout the season. But the effort, certainly in that second half on Wednesday, wasn't there. How far can they fall in this sort of spell that they're in? Because the, the East, it looks a little weird because even the defending champions, they're hovering around 4-5. How far can this team that everybody expects to contend towards the end of the season fall in the standings I would be surprised if they fell into that play in seven to ten range now is it possible in the next week or two where they drop a few more games okay sure but Kevin's coming back at some point uh, and by all accounts Nash said it the other day his rehab's coming along fine so he'll probably be out for a few more weeks but he'll be there and when Kevin Durant's on the floor when JP I I covered Kevin in uh in the Bay with the Warriors, I saw him from a distance off and on with Oklahoma City. I think because he left the way in which he left the Thunder to go to the Warriors and then to go to the Nets from Golden State, there are people, especially after his injury, that have forgotten just how unbelievably talented he is. I mean, he is that good. That's why the Nets, frankly, feel the way that they do because it's get Kevin back. Let's hope this Kyrie stuff works out. We'll be all right. But even if they fall and even if they lose a few more games, once KD comes back, they're going to rock it back up the standings because he has that much talent to put the rest of the team on his back. 
how is the integration of Kyrie working? It seems like such a such an interesting chemistry battle to have to have one team one place and another team another place. It's very weird. Very weird. But in the same breath, I tell you, when you talk to the players, when you talk to the coaches, genuinely, because this is one of the biggest questions I get all the time. Do, do they really like Kyrie? Do they want to deal with the off and on nature of all this? And the answer is they do. Aside from the fact that he is an incredibly talented player, they all genuinely seem to like the guy. They like that he's back around the team. They they want him to be around more. I mean, James Harden said it. We were in Chicago a couple weeks ago, he, he, and that was the best game they played all year when they dominated the Bulls in the second half. But Harden said, I'm going to give him the shot myself. I mean, that's the only thing that, that people wish is that Kyrie would just take the shot and, and everybody could move forward. But in the interim, as the Nets and Kyrie wait to see what may happen in New York City, the integration or reintegration of him back with this team has been pretty smooth because they know how great he is and he knows how much he missed the game and being around the guys. So the marriage, while strange, half on and, and half off, has been as smooth probably as it could be given the circumstances. And they're strange circumstances, to be sure. Now let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. Let's look at the other team that you used to cover, the Warriors. Did you see this happening? They have been so good at the beginning, obviously the lull during January, corresponding with what Steph has been going through. But did you see this, where they would be so atop the Western Conference in that one-two tier with the Phoenix Suns? No. <laughs> no. And, and you and I have been having these conversations now for at least a couple of years. You know how much I respect the Jazz. And I feel like every year I I go on, when I go on a, a show for ESPN or I'm on a podcast and people say, "What? Well, who's the team? Who's the team? And I'm always like, it's Utah's year. I think it'll all come together. And then the playoffs come and I'm always disappointed. I mean, this has been going on two, three seasons now. And it feels like now with the Ingles injury, it just feels like the, the stars have not aligned again for this team. Although we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. But I say that because I didn't expect this from the Warriors. And if I'm, I'm being honest, and if they're being honest, I don't think they, as an organization, expected this kind of jolt back to the front of the Western Conference the way that they have shown this year. Now, how much farther can it go? If Draymond's healthy, I think they can go all the way again. But again, what happens in a couple months? How does that disc issue work out for him is he able to play once he's back on the floor at the same level we saw at the beginning of the year we're gonna see but they are deep they are very talented and they still have Steph and it ties into our conversation about Kevin Durant because Steph is unbelievable and he's still playing at 
such an incredibly high level night to night. But uh, am I surprised? Hell yeah, I'm surprised because I thought the Warriors could be very good. I thought they could maybe win another playoff series. But for them to get to uh, the front the way that they have has opened up a lot of eyes around the league and, and surprised a lot of people, I think, even in the building. How high were they on Kaminga and Moody, their draft picks this year? Uh, very high. And this dates back to the beginning. I think once they saw Kaminga and Moody uh, going back to Vegas in the summer and seeing them work out in those first couple weeks of training camp, the coaching staff kind of went, okay, we got something here. And we've seen that play out now going into February. I mean, when you watch Kaminga and Moody, you see two young players who really have a chance to potentially help this year at the back end of the rotation and even more into the future. I mean, these two guys, whether they stay with the Warriors, whether they're used as assets to acquire a, a more veteran player to help right away in a year or two, we'll find out. But I think they've hit on both guys. And Moody hasn't gotten as much run in the last couple months because they, they haven't needed him. Uh, the, the Warriors roster is so deep top to bottom right now, but he is a hell of a player. And Kaminga has athleticism off the charts and really is starting to learn the NBA game and, and it's slowing down a little bit for him. So Bob Myers and his staff really did a solid job because both of those guys appear to be pieces that you can build with and around over the course of the next few seasons. You saw the Suns this week. What's impressed you about them? They seem to be completely uh, churning along after that disappointment that they had last year reaching the finals. Didn't upset them. They're still playing really well. They look great. Yeah. And they look like a team that is so motivated to get over that hump and get back to the finals and, and win the the extra couple of games that they couldn't find against Milwaukee. But JP, that's the that's the deal. As we sit here right now in February, and sometimes it happens over the course of of a, of a season. But it feels like, and when you watch them, Phoenix and Golden State are just a cut above everybody else. And I know Jazz fans will hear that and kind of go, "Ah, we got Donovan. Rudy's not healthy. He can get it together." I understand. It's just that when you watch over the first few months of this year, Phoenix knows exactly what they're doing and they look like a team that is dying to get that chance to right the wrong of last year and where they faded in the finals. And the Warriors, they know that they've done it before. They know they've played in the biggest games. They know they've gotten to the finals and had the success, and they are motivated by the fact that so many people had written them off before the year even began. So injuries can always change everything, as we know, in the NBA in a heartbeat. But if both of those two teams stay healthy in Phoenix and the Warriors, it sure feels like that's the Western Conference Finals. The fact that Chris Paul can make Bismack Biombo this 18-10 and 10 guy is just a credit to that man's MVP case. He deserves it 100% to be in that conversation if he can do that. It's still stunning that Chris Paul, who I watched in Houston a few years ago, and who looked like he was just yeah. at the end, goes to OKC, has that 
rebirth with the Thunder and and gets them to a better place and then has gone to Phoenix these last couple of years and, and been that missing piece. So credit to Chris Paul, whatever he's doing. And all the Suns people keep saying, oh, you know, he's, he's a vegan now and he changed up his diet. Whatever. I mean, whatever it is, it's working for him. And he is he's one of those guys that makes everybody else around him a lot better. And it's a credit to what he's done throughout his career. Could you go vegan? I don't know if I could. No. Uh, you're yeah. talking to a cheeseburger connoisseur here. I mean, you're talking to somebody who uh, has has rattled off more burgers and steaks over uh, the NBA travel map than uh, many, many people. Best burger on the NBA map? Oshaval, Chicago. N- See, not even a question. Yeah, didn't even stutter. Wow, look at that. Uh, that is the one. If people are like, where do you go for the best burger? It's it's not even a question. It's Oshaval in Chicago. There's one in New York I've got to check out. Now, I haven't been there yet, but the one in Chicago, that's legit. All right. Nick Friedel, cheeseburger connoisseur on Ramball Roundup on utahjazz.com. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time. Always, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right.